Turning your Bibles, please, to the book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 12. We're continuing our series, Pearls and Perils, in the book of Proverbs. The key verse for the book of Proverbs is chapter 1, verse 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. We've noted the word proverb means to be like or to be compared with. Thus, a proverb is a statement that makes a comparison or summarizes a common experience. The author of this book is Solomon, 31 chapters, 915 verses. It covers a period of 85 years. We said Solomon wrote this particular book in the middle stage of his adult life, the book of Song of Solomon, Song of Songs, Canticle of Canticles, however you might have heard it referred to. Was written early on in his adulthood, and the the book of Ecclesiastes was written later in his life, when he looked back over all that he'd amassed, all he had done, and declared, "Vanity of vanities, all is vanity." Recognizing this world has nothing to offer of eternal value, and he declared, "It is good for man to walk in the ways of God." This book even though it was written thousands of years ago, addresses many issues that are relevant to us today. Again, countering the argument that the Bible is archaic. It's outdated. It's no longer applicable to us, but it absolutely is. For we see the writings of this man, these many hundreds of Proverbs included in this book, the wisdom. And of course, this is the Old Testament book of wisdom. The simple outline for this book, the first nine chapters deal with words of wisdom for the young. Chapters 11 through 24 deal with words of wisdom for everyone. And chapters 25 through 31 deal with words of wisdom for leaders. Well, we've already spent some time looking at this book thus far in these past weeks. Through this series, we've considered the purpose of the book of Proverbs, the people of Proverbs, the paths of this book, paths of righteousness and wickedness, the places of the book of Proverbs, and last Sunday, the praise of the book of Proverbs. Today, we're going to start on a short series in a series, looking at the pictures of the book of Proverbs. Notice Proverbs chapter 12, verse 18, if you would. Proverbs 12, 18, the scripture says, "...there is that speaketh like the piercings of a sword." But the tongue of the wise is wealth. We're considering this morning the pictures, the illustrations, the things God uses to help us to understand the truth of his word in a way that we can easily comprehend based on everyday life and experiences and knowledge. The word like, it's found 669 times in the Bible and nine times here in the book of Proverbs. It can be used in a variety of ways in regard to uh, the type of speech it is, but it's most often used in Scripture as a preposition. It indicates the same characteristics or qualities and can be a substitute for the phrases, for example, or similar to. And throughout this book, it's used to illustrate Proverbs' messages in a manner easily understood by us. I've identified four types of pictures or illustrations in this book, and we'd like to look at them over the coming weeks. They are in the area of confidence, 
conduct, contention, and today, communication. We're looking today at the pictures God uses to help us to understand the importance of communication. Words, they can cut, they can console, or they can contradict. We start out here in verse 18 of chapter 12. There is that speaketh like the piercings of a sword, but the tongue of the wise is health. I don't know about you, but I remember as a kid, and I imagine everybody here, from the time of our youth, we've heard the saying, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Well, as we became older, and now as adults, we recognized how completely untrue that statement is. Because yes, words can hurt. And in fact, in, according to this verse, they can be like the piercing of a sword, thrusting through of the flesh by a sharp instrument. It's painful. It leaves scars. It's permanent in its marking. There are many ways to categorize the various types of words or speech used by people. But for simplicity's sake this morning, we're going to say words may be helpful, harmful, hateful, or hypocritical. We'll look at helpful words in a minute. But to get started out here, harmful and hateful words. Harmful words. Sometimes, I confess I do this more often than I would prefer, sometimes we say things that aren't intended to hurt, but in fact are very harmful. Are they not? We say something, and then when we see the, the response, the facial expression of the person that hears it, and we know we've hurt, what do we say? Oh, I was just kidding. You know, oh, not really. Well, oh, really, because you did say it. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. We need to understand words we say in anger or haste are often words that are not thought through. When we say things without thinking them through, we end up many times embarrassing ourselves and causing pain to the listener. For example, consider the life of Moses. Spoken of Psalm 106, verses 32 and 33. They angered him also at the waters of strife, so that it went ill with Moses for their sakes. He was angry because of the complaining, the bellyaching of the people of Israel in the wilderness, Verse, 20, verse 33, because they provoked his spirit so that he spake unadvisedly with his lips. He was upset. He was angry. He just blurted out something without thinking it through. How many times do we do that? How many times do we yield to impatience and speak without thinking? You know, the Bible says a fool speaks his whole mind. Proverbs 13, verse 3, But he that openeth wide his lips shall have destruction. Harmful words. Words we say. Things we say not intending to be painful, but sometimes they are. And you know, those are things that oftentimes folks find hard to forget. What about us? What about when someone has said something that hurt our feelings. How easily do we get over it? How quickly do we move on? 
Sometimes it takes a little while, doesn't it? Well, then it should not be unreasonable when we encounter someone who's taking equally as long to get over something that we said as it takes us to get over what they said. Well, there are harmful words, but there are also, on the other hand, hateful words. These are intended to cut deeply. You see, both thoughts come under the category of this particular verse. There is speaketh like the piercings of a sword. Both hurt equally. Put it this way, one is accidental, the other is intentional. There are times when we respond verbally to someone and we mean for it to hurt. We want them to know. We don't like them. We don't appreciate them. We want them to know we're saying whatever we feel like so we can get back at them. That's the attitude of the flesh. That is nothing more than absolute carnality. When we do that which is pleasing to the flesh rather than pleasing to the Lord. There's just something in the back of our minds that say, well, after all, they deserved it. Are we in the place of God that we can decide who deserves what? What measure of harm, pain? No, that's not our place. Psalm 59 verse 7 says, Behold, they belch out with their mouth. Swords are in their lips. Psalm 64 verse 2, Hide me from the secret counsel of the wicked from the insurrection of the workers of iniquity. Notice what he says about their insurrection. Who wet their tongue like a sword. W-H-E-T, the wetting, the sharpening of the blade of a sword. Who wet their tongue like a sword and bend their bows to shoot their arrows. Even bitter words, hurtful words, are intended to cause pain. In people, It ought not to be the place of a Christian to speak such. Proverbs 25, verse 18. A man that beareth false witness against his neighbor is a maul and a sword and a sharp arrow. Wow, <laughs> think about that. You're going to hit him with a hammer. You're going to run him through with a sword and then pierce them with an arrow. I mean, talk about getting your point across. And there are people that are quite adept at doing exactly that. Are they not? And their tongue is nothing less than a ballistic missile aimed at somebody's heart and soul. Proverbs 26, verse 17, He that passeth by and meddleth with strife, belonging not to him, is like one that taketh a dog by the ears. That's an interesting illustration, but it talks about hurtful words, stupid decisions. The last thing you want to do is walk up to a pit bull, Rottweiler, Doberman, shepherd, look them in the the eyes and grab them by the ears and just pick them up. They're going to let you know they don't like it. Many times our words, our speech gets us into a situation where it's going to be painful trying to back out. And we're warned that we need to guard against this kind of speech. Proverbs 12, 18 makes it clear That words spoken can harm someone, but they can equally help someone. There is that speaketh like the piercings of a sword, but the tongue of the wise is health. You see, words can be harmful, but they can be helpful. 
Not only can words communicate a cutting action, but they can also communicate a consoling action. Look at Proverbs 20, verse 5, in conjunction with this verse. Proverbs chapter 20, verse 5. Verse 5 says, Counsel in the heart of man is like deep water, but a man of understanding will draw it out. The simile here of deep water is also found in chapter 18, verse 4. that says, The words of a man's mouth are as deep waters, and the wellspring of wisdom as a flowing brook. It involves or speaks of the area of insight into human nature, which, by the way, the book of Proverbs aims to impart wisdom to people so they can understand what's going on in people's lives, so they can help them and provide them some beneficial counsel. The phrase, draw it out, literally means to drop a bucket into the water and lift it out. (laughs) This illustration he uses was a common picture to everyone of the time because they all did that same thing. It was nothing unusual for them to go to a well and draw out water. So here, what we see is the wise are able to see through the false fronts, the pretenses, the disguises. They recognize the tactics to deceive. They recognize the hypocrisy. And they're able to get down past the surface to the truth and draw up from that individual those things that are troubling them, those things that are disconcerting to them, those things that have hurt them. You know, a lot of folks have a tendency, and we all do this, to put up a good face. You know, how many times have you come to church and didn't feel good, but you smiled, you were cordial, friendly to people, but man, on the inside, you're just hurting. Hurting emotionally, hurting spiritually, or even hurting physically. How many times do we try to put up a good front? But oh, the scripture gives us wisdom for someone who has discernment to get past that facade and get down to really what's troubling us and helping us, helping them to understand how to help them, how to counsel them, how to console them. And again, counsel in the heart of man is like deep water, but a man of understanding will draw it out. You know, that's a true friend that's willing to spend time with you and help you. Very much different from Eliphaz, Bildad, and uh, the third friend that showed up with Job. Now, they were friends. You think about it. When Job was going through his trials and his struggles, Job just covered himself with sackcloth and ashes and was sitting out. But these men traveled from their homes. Bildad was the other one. Uh, Anyway, they sat with him, and the scripture tells us they didn't say anything for seven days. Wow. (laughs) Not much of a conversation going on for seven days. Then we find, truly, there was friendship there, but... They lit into him and accused him of hypocrisy and wickedness and sin and and all kinds of things. They just tore into him. Now that's not, I mean, sure, it started out looking like a good friend, but didn't finish that way, and God rebuked them for that. But a true friend is one who will be stick with us through hard times and struggles and trials, times when we're not doing well, times when we're full of despair, and will seek to be a help and to draw out those things that are troubling us so they can be dealt with. And set aside. Words. Words can console. It's the idea of bringing the truth up out of one's heart and soul. And being a help to them. Proverbs 25. Verses 11 and 12. A word fitly spoken 
is like apples of gold in pictures of silver. To me, that's one of the most beautifully descriptive verses in the book of Proverbs. A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in pictures of silver. It talks about the beauty. It talks about the value of a helpful word. Proverbs 16.24, pleasant words are as in honeycomb, sweet to the soul and health to the bones. Proverbs 15.23, there's verses like this all through the book. A word spoken in due season, how good it is. You know, there's a time to be quiet and there's a time to speak up. Wisdom helps us to know the difference. When we, when we take advantage of the appropriate time and say that which is beneficial to someone, it can be tremendously helpful to them. Some would have said the effects of words, of kindness, encouragement, and truth endure forever. I think that's why the, the scripture admonishes us, be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another. Why? even as Christ hath forgiven us. He's done so much for us. Be kind in our conduct toward others in regard to our speech. So words cut, words console. Proverbs 26, verse 23. Notice that words can also contradict. This is something we have to be aware of. Words can contradict. Proverbs 26, 23. Burning lips... And a wicked heart are like a potsherd covered with silver dross. What is he talking about? A potsherd covered with silver dross. Covered with silver dross refers to an an attractive, beautiful, valuable coating over a piece of pottery. The illustration here is taking a clay pot, a cup, and covering it with silver. It might look beautiful, but its value is going to be based on its durability. And a a clay pot, a clay cup, isn't going to be that stable. It doesn't matter what you do to the outside. It's still just a clay clay pot. Hypocrisy. That's what he's talking about here. And people understand it. The illustration here is we have to be careful because some words are words of hypocrisy. The idea that someone will come to us like our best friend. Oh, they'll want to give us a hug. They'll want to go ahead and tell us how much they love us and appreciate us. How much they care about us. How much they they look forward to seeing us. But yet we have to watch. Because they're getting us in the back with a knife. No doubt. Some, if not all of you, have experienced something like that through the years. It hurts, doesn't it? Because on the outside, you thought they were a friend. On the outside, you thought they were with you. When you find out in their heart, they're against you. They're no friend. They're an enemy. Someone has said, well, with friends like that, you don't need enemies. This is the person whose lips burn with hatred, looking for an opportunity to take advantage, looking for a weakness, looking for a chink in the armor. They approach you as a friend, 
but they're looking for your demise. Psalm 55 verse 21 tells us, The words of his mouth were smoother than butter, but war was in his heart. His words were softer than oil, yet were they drawn swords. Again, back to the idea of those words that hurt. Well, to camouflage those words of pain that are on the way, we use words that are calming, soothing. The term we often use, you butter someone up. You know, you, you, you go ahead and make them feel like everything's great. And then you run them through with that sharpened tongue. person who tries to disguise their evil motives, character by zealous speech, is like an attractive, overglazed pot or jar. Jesus had something to say about that in his ministry. Matthew 23, when he said, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye are like unto whited sepulchres, which indeed appear beautiful outward, but are within full of dead men's bones and all uncleanness. The hypocrite, all dressed to the nines on the outside, but in the inside, wearing battle gear. Luke chapter 11, verse 39, again the words of our Lord. Now do you Pharisees make clean the outside of the cup and the platter, but your inward part is full of ravening and wickedness. You know, there are a lot of folks who have a beautiful veneer. But their speech betrays their heart. Deception. It's a chronic and costly problem in our society today. Wherever the deceiver operates, enormous problems result. Titus 1.15, But under the pure all things are pure, but unto them that are defiled... And unbelieving is nothing pure. Even their mind and conscience is defiled. You know, the Lord warns us in Proverbs 6, These things, six things doth the Lord hate, yea, seven are an abomination to them. Notice how many things have, have to do with our speech. A proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, and heart that deviseth wicked imaginations, Feet that be swift in running to mischief, a false witness that speaketh lies, and he that soweth discord among the brethren. Words. Words can cut, they can console, or they can contradict. It is up to us as God's children to read God's word, to comprehend what is being said, to apply it to our lives that we in turn might recognize the difference between hurtful, harmful, helpful, and hypocritical words. And that we in turn would be the example through our speech of how folks ought to conduct themselves. Amen? Let me close with this thought. November 19, 1863, two speeches were given at the dedication of the Soldiers National Cemetery in Gettysburg, Pennsylvania. The featured speaker was Edward Everett. He was a former congressman, governor, and was at that time the president of Harvard University. He was considered one of the greatest orators of the day. 
Mr. Everett delivered a formal address lasting two hours. He was followed by President Abraham Lincoln, whose speech lasted two minutes. Today, Lincoln's speech, the Gettysburg Address, is widely known and quoted, while Everett's words have almost been forgotten. Not only have his words almost been forgotten, but hardly anybody knows. There were two speakers at the time when Lincoln gave the Gettysburg Address. But it wasn't just Lincoln's eloquent brevity that accounts for this. See, on that day, his words touched the wounded spirits of a nation torn by civil war. And he offered hope for days to come. Words do not have to be many to be meaningful. They just have to be right and appropriate for the hearer. Yes, words can cut. Words can console. Words can contradict. I trust we find our speech is like the middle and not the former or the latter.